In life, we're constantly told to think outside the box as an encouragement to be different. But you can only think outside the box if the box itself exists. So why do we always vilify the box? Is it actually bad? Hi, this is Brian and Josh. Welcome to the Curiosity Continuum. Thanks for joining us today on Curiosity Continuum. For those of you tuning in for the first time, Curiosity Continuum is a movement started by Josh and myself, lifelong friends, with a mission to spark the imagination, cultivate your mind, and understand diverse perspectives for practical application in the common good. You can find us at curiositycontinuum.com with all of our social media links and email to get a hold of us. We want to hear your feedback. Today, uh, it's myself, Brian, and I'm joined by my good friend, Josh. Hello. So today, this episode is entitled, The Importance of the Box. And uh, it's kind of the statement that we set out in the beginning is, there's no such thing as no box. <laughs> but we've always talked about how it's good to think outside of a box. And wanted to just give this a little bit of a different treatment to say that the box is actually important because uh, context always matters. There's a kind of a relational thing that happens here, and only when you've established structure and boundaries does it actually make a big difference. And so Josh actually helped me with um, this particular topic when I went to go speak at uh, on a panel for uh, how to improve your business for some of my consulting work and things. It was a really interesting thing, and people took notice because so often you're told just by default, like, the box somehow is bad, and what you have inside of it is not worthy enough. Therefore, you need to go grab something from outside of it to make it worthwhile. Um, I know that for me, I've had these things said over and over again, but it was a really interesting thing to think about why the box is important. Right. So kind of like how you know everybody is told, you know, think outside the box. And like Brian is saying, the box is actually important. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of context as to why, like, I believe the box is important. And I also think that um, Brian then will kind of chime in or kind of give his ideas on why it's important. And I think we're going to find we have a lot of overlap. Um, So the box, to me anyway, represents a person. It represents your individual ideas, experiences. And everyone has this box. And everyone is in that. So... It's not all the same box, however. So, for example, like my box is different than Brian's box and all that kind of stuff. But the way why I think it's important is because that box represents ideas and experiences, how well you interact with others and things like that on a professional, personal um, level. So I'm thinking that's, to me, why the box is important. Just a, a little snippet of it. So I think um, Brian will tell you now why he thinks the box is important. Yeah, there's, there's a clear definition of where something begins and ends. Um, like, for example, if somebody came up to me like my child, you know, they said, Dad, can you do something for me? And as a good dad, you want to do well? I said, well, sure, you know, bud, what can I do for you? And he's like, you know, well, could you just do something nice for me? You know, now 
this obviously he's a little older now, but when he used to say that, it was like, oh, okay. I mean, there's a lot of different things you could do. You could get him a cold glass of water. You could you could play Legos with him. You could do something, you know, and it's in the range of doing something nice for him. But if he said, you know, Dad, I'm thirsty. Could I? Could you get help me get a glass of water? When he was a little guy, I'm like, sure, son. I can absolutely do that. Like now, I understand what's important to him. You know, right. I'm understanding more than just here's all the options. Like this, there's a, actually a specific idea, and uh, the more I think that you can understand what the actual intent is, it actually tells you if those things are valuable. Or not. It helps you prioritize. Otherwise, if nothing's most important, then nothing is important. Yeah, I think Brian brings up a good point too. Um, intent, and then the other individual's experiences matter. So. And that's why the box is important because everyone is in their own box of experiences and ideas and all your individual thoughts. So like, for example, like we'll use Brian's son as an example. When you're three or four or five, even up, you know, however old you are, it doesn't even matter. You have a certain range of experiences. So he said, you know, to him, something nice might just be, I'm going to, you know, play Legos with you for an hour or you know, and maybe an hour is not even the length of time he was thinking about. He just wanted somebody to play with him. But that's what his experiences are, which is a totally different um, thing maybe for me from what I might think or what Brian might think. Because as adults, I think we kind of lose a little bit of that. I don't know if we really lose a little bit of that, the curiosity of being a younger person. But you just kind of like take a lot of things for granted in life, I think. And a lot of things that you just... You may not think that way, and th- and that's an important experience to think about. I think it's true. We, um, as we get older, I think we take what we once aspired to, and now it's almost commonplace or something that we've achieved. That we forget that where we came from, we forget where we, you know, where we were, and kind of the journey that came along with it. Or sometimes you're so glad the journey's over, and like, hey, I'm at the destination. Hey, I'm good now. You know. But I think along the way, it's easy to let barnacles of responsibility kind of drag down the ship. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be responsible, but I know for myself that the more I go along, I have to like purposely keep a sense of wonder about things to be able to see it through new eyes again and again. Um, for me, I know uh, those things keep me engaged in the process of being curious about things. As my box more and more fills up with experiences and things, I know that uh, that's good because people know how to treat me or how to how to interact with me. I know whenever I go into a conversation and I'm not clear about the intent, it's kind of being unkind because you're not actually giving the person the 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 tools to be able to communicate with you well. So the clearer you can be, especially in that, the better you're going to be everywhere else. Sure, and. Um... I had something I was going to say, too. I always kind of tell this story to people, um, maybe not a, so much of a story, but more like a kind of a thought. And it's that you remember I was, you know, like somebody will say something about the weather or about, you know, you know, perhaps some kind of change in life and everything. And I'm like, do you remember when you were young and you didn't understand all this complex stuff and you were happy and you were, <laughs> you know, the naivety True. was kind of is important in a way. But when you became, you know, as people, we're curious and we want to learn more. And so you're always asking, how does that work? How does that work? How does that work? And once you actually found out, it was kind of like those part of the mystery was gone. And it was a little bit, it was almost like I would like to, I would like to say it was almost like a little live a letdown. Kind of like finding out that, you know, 
other things in life aren't true that you thought were or whatever. You're kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, that maybe it is okay not to know everything. And so for me anyway, in my own box, I, I know that I don't know everything, but I do know a lot. But I know a lot in my own experiences. So I'm always constantly trying to seek other people. Yeah. I think the one thing, too, um, for Josh and I both, we're, we've been curious all of our life. I, and there are some folks uh, who are just happy to be in the room and not terribly curious. And these are some of the most loving people, too. You know, these will be the folks that are the caregivers and the, and the people that will love you well into your old age when you're drooling and can't make sense of anything. Like, they're going to be <laughs> the ones still loving on you, you know? Right. Um, the thing that uh, I think where people get older is that they stop wanting to understand other people or other ideas because it's only what they've known. And it's not that they're, uh, it's like the outside, they're reaching outside their own box, but they're pulling from somebody else to kind of add to their own collection of things. You know, it's like a bunch of Legos. They're all a bunch of boxes that fit together, you know, but the only way that you know how to build something is that there is a clear context of first, like your intent, like what what exactly do you want to build, right? How big is it going to be? Um, what's its use, all those different kinds of things. It's more of a creator being very clear on what they want to do, and then what they're able to do from there is say, okay, now I need things like this, or it could be something like this. But once you've established that, then creativity abounds again and again and again. I think one of the best examples, being a musician, um, <laughs> every 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 professional musician or people who have who have some type of skill, when somebody yells out from the, the crowd, hey, play something cool, man. And, um, <laughs> you know, like, I uh, don't really know what you mean by cool. And especially for being a bass player, I, I would play something, and everybody would give me blank looks like, what exactly did you just play? I'm like, well, it's that one song. I'm like, yeah, I don't know that, because I was playing the bass line. So I started learning guitar parts on bass, and they go, oh, yeah, I really love that song. But to them, the guitar part was cool. It wasn't the bass part that was cool. And so I had to, I had to realign like what, like, so when you say cool, you actually mean a guitar part, not really a bass part. And that's changed over my life. But, um, you know, at the, at the, in the high school days of everything like that, I wanted to make sure that I, you know, <laughs> have social currency. Hey, Brian played something really cool. And it just always happened to be guitar parts. <laughs> yeah. So, so just kind of like a little riff on that. Like, did you, do you find out that people want like the guitar parts because it's more like they associate that with a vocal that that's something something everyone hears i think it's uh i think it's the level of prominence when you have a guitar solo you know everybody knows it right it's like and welcome to the guitar solo featuring whoever it is and there's wonderful examples of guitar solos i think where bass players especially like if you have a crappy speaker you know, like you're really not going to hear a lot of the bass because so much of that frequency range is visceral. Like you're feeling it come through the speaker or something like that. Part of it too is just, um, while there are songs, obviously if you play some bass lines, you go, oh, I know this song, like My Girl, or it's, um, you know, uh, Under Pressure by Queen or, or something, you know, that you say, oh yeah, I know what that is. Then people kind of gravitate. I think where, um, for folks who are really listening though to music, like they're going to appreciate all the different nuances that every part plays. And I think sometimes, especially as we listen to, uh, you know, if we listen to commentary and media outlets or we listen to other things, sometimes it's the loudest voice that you're going to listen to because simply because they're loud or simply because they're doing a certain amount of attention grabbing. 
But sometimes the most meaningful things are that are giving the kind of the platform for those things to be said are the people that aren't necessarily speaking the loudest. They may not be saying the most, but there's a lot of wisdom that is coming from that because it's with that foundation and those things that are being said that there's a lot of good things. I think that's, Josh, I know for me, a lot of the reason why I wanted to start doing this is here's some voices that aren't necessarily the loudest or the biggest, but something thoughtful and something that would help contribute to the conversation. Sure. Okay. That sounds good. So um, this was kind of like our, like, kind of like establishing that the context of what you're doing matters. So um, I know, Brian, do you have any examples of like contextual things that you wanted to talk about? Uh, I'll just give a quick example. I met a gentleman who used to work at Apple and he was a major part of the iTunes division, did a lot of good initiatives and things and worked with jobs while he was still alive and ended up exiting the company uh, shortly thereafter, you know, after Jobs passed away, it was a little bit different of an organization. And he wanted to strike out on his own. And he said that when he went to be self-employed and was on the journey, he realized a couple years in as to why his he wasn't feeling as creative or the dynamic wasn't the same, you know, like he was a high performer and, and did things. And he realized that Apple did such a good job of providing all the support and structure and mechanisms that you need to be a creative. You know, you didn't have to worry about your healthcare plan. You didn't have to worry about, uh, you know, uh, HR or taxes or all those other kinds of things because it was all taken care of for you by a big company to be able to uh, provide the best environment possible for you to be as creative as possible. But when you become a small business owner, the things that you're not necessarily the best at, you have to do. And so you're spending the time and energy to be able to create the context so you can be creative. So it's a very different amount of energy put out. And that's also a very different expression of what that is. Sure. So, so for him, so just for the context of our larger conversation for him, his box was obviously he's a, he's a creative. So they want him to, they basically just saw, you know, poke you with a stick and say, you know, be creative, (laughs) (laughs) but he didn't realize he was getting all the support that he needed, which was like, like, you know, a boss telling him, you know, this is where your cubicle is or office or however they work things. Who knows? You know, here's the cafeteria. Here's this, here's that. All those needs are met. So you do have the freedom to be creative. You do. So then he realized obviously that he needed either some help or needed to figure out what, how to structure his time on his own. Right. Yeah. And I think where, um, you know, creatives only when they say, hey, look, what I did, I colored outside the lines. It's like, well, somebody put the lines there for you. Right. <laughs> you know, right. You the structure was there. Yeah. The structure was there. So it's, yeah. it's, a per, it's a necessary relationship. So kind of like to go on from that for like structure, um, people assume that you that you that you like understand boundaries like of the structure that you're actually speaking to. So, for example, I'm going to give it a, a kind of a. I mean, I think everybody that is married or in a long-term relationship of some kind kind of knows this. Um, but what people say and what people mean sometimes are totally different. Lord and especially between my, like, for example, my wife and I, we have numerous examples of where she said something to me and I heard something completely different or... I know she expects something and I just refuse to do it because I'm waiting until she finally tells me, uh, you know, you need to do this. So I'm going to give a couple of examples. So (laughs) I'll give an example of kind of each like, um, 
probably I've been married for about 17 years now. So it's kind of getting it's not like it's it's like we know each other really well. And I knew my wife even before I really before we got married, obviously. But I mean, I knew her. I'm knowing her more and more every day. That's a very strange experience. And that's a whole nother topic. But um, I'll give an example of this is like I routinely I have uh, thinning hair as nobody can know because this is an audio podcast. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they can tell by how you round out your vowels at the exactly, end. Exactly. Right. Happening. So um, my wife likes when I shave my head. And I do like shaving my head. The problem is if anybody has ever had it like a shaved head, it is a process to keep it nice looking. It really requires you to shave every day or like every two days at the very minimum every two days. Otherwise, you're getting stubble growing in some places and not others because of your thinning of hair. So I, I know she likes this and I do like having a bald head. It's just that it's a chore, which I'm kind of lazy for and I don't really feel like doing it every day. So I will actually just stop shaving my head at one point and my hair will just kind of grow. Now, when it's short, it looks still kind of cool and everything. So it's good. But right now it's starting to get to the stage now where it's starting to kind of flop over and become kind of a comb over. Um, And it hasn't quite, well, it hasn't gotten to that point yet. It's getting there. So now Melanie, my wife, she will look at me every day and just, just stare but she won't say anything. And I know exactly what she wants. She wants me to go say, hey, I'm going to go shave my head. So (laughs) I wait. I wait until she tells me to do it. Mm. And then it's kind of a win-win because I'm like, you know what? You're right. I should do that. And so I go in the bathroom and I shave my head. And then it's all good and everything's right with the world again for another four or five months, however long it takes. And that's another thing with people with balding hair don't realize that, or a lot of people don't realize is that Every time you shave it, it could be the last time, you know? So So that's an example of me knowing exactly what my wife wants and the structure she expects me to be in of her knowing, and I'm I'm just refusing to do it. It's kind of a passive-aggressive thing. It's probably not a good idea sometimes, but (laughs) it's fun, you know, and it's not hurting anybody. It's just, you know, shaving my head. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think... uh my wife and I have been married 14 years, so Sabrina and I are just about as different as people can be. So, you know, when it works well, it really works well because we're so uh, complimentary. And when it doesn't work well, it really doesn't work well because, <laughs> because, because. We're like, it's like, how did you even think that it meant that? It's like, going, well, you said this. It's like, yeah, and, you know, all the conversations go along with it. Um, you get more than one person in the room, actually for me. Sometimes I'm by myself and going, what did I just say and what did I mean by that? I right. Sit there and clarify with my own self to do it. But um, I think everybody, know, especially everybody that's married, has especially those first like year or even two years. Because living with another human being is uh, experience in itself. It is. <laughs> but, it, it takes some doing to work it out. <laughs> yeah, there are there are logistical things like I never thought about. You know, <laughs> like when we only had one bathroom, I didn't think about like. How was it if I had to go to the bathroom? What do I do? Or we both go to the bathroom at the same time. Do I really have to let her go first? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> you know. Yes, <laughs> you should. <laughs> totally. Oh my gosh, the the thing. Um, I think with any relationship like it, it's because like there's a there's a structure of this, and then it's kind of you're working out where somebody begins and ends, and when you do that, you really start to have a nice dynamic. 
you know, ja- only in jazz when somebody said everything is everything, did that actually, in, it's not actually everything. It's kind of a nice phrase to say. It sounds cool, but has no bearing in reality, at least what I've lived <laughs> on the third so far. <laughs> right. You know, so. No, I was just going to say that's kind of, um, I think we were going to the same place. I, um, it's kind of like how you might ask yourself, how did that kind of relate to our broader discussion of the box and structure and all that? But those are because those are you using your box and using, you know, looking for the skills or something in something else and going after that, for example, or, you know, like with me and my wife, my wife and I, how I know what she wants. I'm thinking outside of my box. I'm, I'm going into her box and thinking about that, that idea that she has. And I know that's what she wants. So that for me is kind of getting out of your comfort zone a little bit. But it's also, it's not getting outside of, really, it's getting outside of my box, but then using my own skills and just kind of like curiosity just to help me solve a mutual problem that we're having. Mm-hmm. I think any any story that we've shared tonight, it has a context, and then we can tell it in a certain way, but the story wouldn't make sense if you had said it in some other context. You would wait, so why was that interesting, or why was that important, or whatever like that? You know, it's only once you kind of reinforce that and establish it can you actually understand the importance of things, importance of meaning, and uh, just, you know, how creative you were based on what structure it was based in, you know? So the encouragement for everybody is to stay curious about the world around them. Be curious about what's in somebody else's box, because really when you reach outside yours, you're reaching into something else. And we all have boxes inside of our own selves as far as, like, this is how I think about um, you know, my hobbies, or I think about my work, or I think about my relationships and things like that. You know, we're putting all the Legos together bit by bit. And I think the fun thing with it is to know that we can continue to be curious about one another. And as we go along, we're continuing to build a stronger and stronger foundation for everything that we do as far as um, work, life, play, all those different kinds of things. So um, don't, don't be scared of saying, this is my box because it really helps give a very clear idea of who you are, but also what you're not. And I know for as I've gotten older, the more I understand who I am, I also understand who I'm not. And that's just helping you define your box better. Yeah, I think that's actually a great place to um, kind of put a comma in the conversation and just let people kind of digest it. I just want everybody just to, you know, remember where you guys can find us. And it's um, www.curiositycontinuum.com. You have all of our links to our social there, our email. We really want you guys to contact us, interact with us. Um, we've said it before. If you guys want to be on the show, um, reach out to us on social media or just send us an email. And, um, you know, give us an idea, of, first of all, why you want to be on the show. Uh, what Do you have a topic you wish to talk about? Because we do have a lot of topics that we're going to get to in the future that we are, um, you know, we can pull you guys in for, or it might be one that we already have an idea for. So I think that's a, that's a good place to end it. I'm Brian. It is. So until next time, guys, I'm Brian. And I'm Josh. And this is Curiosity Continuum.